This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 again. Um, kids, if you are part of Austin Life Kids and you want to go ahead and head on back with Trey, he's in the back there with you, and he would love to take you uh, to, to join in with uh, the other kids and have a lesson and a time of community with one another, and so you can head on back. Uh, Mark chapter 10, I feel like we've been in Mark 10 for a long time. Um, it is 50-something verses, so it is one of the longer, right? Yep, it is one of the longer chapters uh, in in Mark. How are we? Yes! Did y'all plan this? Come on, that's a, there was, that's not normal. If you're new here, that is not the norm, and you're like, what are we doing here? No, that was to make fun of me. I promise you that. That was, that was not real, Mike. You are a liar and a thief. You are out of control. At least I knew West Virginia was a state. So... Gosh. Hey, you know what? I like that. That feels great. That is lively. We're ready to go. Ready to go. Mark chapter 10. So apparently one of the, uh, I'm getting older. I talk about that. It's just something you have to embrace, right? You have to, you have to let it sink in. I still perceive myself as like, honestly, it's going to sound funny, like, like mid to late 20s. I'm not. I'm not. Um, and so... Uh, it's fine. One of the, the things that the youths now say, the street youths um, that I'm learning, is, uh, is shoot your shot, right? What, what, like to, and, and that just means like, hey, take your shot. Go for it, right? Like, shoot your shot. You want to you wanna ask a girl out? Like, go for it. Shoot your shot, man. It's like, man, she's out, of, she's out of my league. It's true. She is, but it's okay. Take a shot. Give it a go. You never know. Um, and, and so it just means, right, to, to give it a shot. Go for it, right? Like, go buy the Mega Million ticket. You might win. You know, just shoot your shot, see what happens. I, I applied to be on Survivor um, uh, back in the day. Uh, I, I, I took my shot there. I didn't get a call back. But I think it's because COVID happened, and, and then they, they stopped filming. I, and so that's why I don't think I got a call back. Um, but I did apply. Uh, one day, perhaps, I'm going to be on that show uh, and, and probably die. Um, there's probably going to be a mouse crawl across my leg, and I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Come pick me up. Um, but I took a shot there. You ever, you ever gone for that? Like you just kind of taking your shot? What do you say? Shot your shot? Is that a, like if I tell you shoot your shot, what do I say? I shot my shot? No? I feel like everybody who's like 35 and older is like, yeah, that's, that's proper grammar. And everyone's like, no, you don't say that. Like, oh, okay, cool. You know, but you ever done that? Like, you, you know, you're like, okay, this is a long shot. You're not expecting it. You know, maybe you like tweeted a celebrity, hey, come to my birthday party. It'll be super cool, right? Um, and you know, like, it's not going to happen. Um, but you figure, what the heck, right? I'll shoot my shot. I got it there. I got it right. Um, so anybody, can you think of something like that where you're like, I went for it and yeah, nothing, nothing came of that. I think in many scenarios like that, we're like, yeah, I don't, I don't really expect anything of it. Um, but then if you do get the reply back, like if you do get the acknowledgement, if you do get like the, hey, what's up? Like, like you're on cloud nine. Like you're like, man, I, I ran into, uh, I ran, like the other day I had a conversation with Jason Witten, like the other day, it's been a couple of years. Um, my kids were little, our kids were in the same bounce house and I'm standing next to him, we have a conversation, but now I'm like, dude, we're buds, right? It's like, we, we're friends now because we talked about our kids jumping into bounce house for four seconds. Um, but right, you get that acknowledgement, you're kind of on cloud nine, you're feeling great. You're like, I'm seen, I'm known, I'm somebody special. Um, because that's just how we're made. It's fine. It's all good. It's part, part of human society. 
But, but most often, when we, when we take that shot, we don't expect a response, right? You with me? Like, you, you know you're shooting out of your league, and, and there's this social gap where you're like, this is not going to go well. The story we see in, in Mark 10 today is the story, is an encounter with Jesus and Bartimaeus. And, and by all social standards, like, Bartimaeus was shooting way outside of his league. Like, there is a social gap where those two should never interact, and yet that's not what we see with Jesus and Bartimaeus, because with Jesus, he is one that always responds to our request. He always responds to anyone and everyone who calls out to him. Even though he is the king of the world, there is a gap between Jesus and us. He is one that always responds when we call out to him. And as giddy as we get, if we see a celebrity and we say hi and they acknowledge us, there should be something inside of our hearts, an exuberant joy that, that kind of loses our buckets when Jesus responds to us, when the king of the world responds to us. And that's who Jesus is. And my prayer for us today is that God, by his grace, will take this cognitive knowledge that we, we can so easily say, like, yeah, Jesus responds to us, and will bury it into the depths of our souls and hearts so that everything within us just rejoices with the reality that the creator of the world responds to you and to me. So there's some things that we learn about Bartimaeus and his encounter with Jesus. It follows right after James and John, I don't think by accident, Right, we see James and John make a request of Jesus. We see Bartimaeus make a request of Jesus. Jesus responds to both of them with the exact same question. What do you want me to do for you? That's what Jesus said to James and John, right, back in verse 36. It's the same thing that he says to Bartimaeus here as well. In verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Mark is strategically placing these right next to each other because there's a completely different response. James and John, boom, hit a wall. Goes no further. Matter of fact, they're corrected and rebuked. They gotta take some steps backwards and regroup. Bartimaeus, though, door flings open. Moves forward. Continues to walk in this path of life. Mark has, he wants us to see some differences, some things in Bartimaeus and, and James and John so that we can know as well, okay, what is it that, that flung open the door for Bartimaeus where James and John were hit with a wall? Like, what, what's the difference? But, but the main point here, the, the, the central figure is not Bartimaeus. It is always Jesus. So yes, there's things for us to learn. But our aim here is not to figure out, okay, Bart, what's the equation? A plus B equals Jesus giving me what I want. That's not our goal, right? That's what James and John were after. It didn't go well. Hey, Jesus, you are the means to my end. If I do this right, then boom, I get what I want. That was James and John. That is not Bartimaeus's approach. So that's not our goal is to figure out the proper equation to get what we want. The, the primary purpose is to see the grace and the power of Jesus for us to see that we are Bartimaeus and to know that Jesus sees us, that he cares for us. So um, I just want to invite us to pray again together. 
over our time in the word and ask for God to, to speak to us. So uh, just in your own words, would you, in your own spirit, ask God to speak to you today through his words? Holy God, let us hear your voice. Would you please drown out, block out every other distraction. Let us hear your voice, that our lives would be transformed today by you, for your glory, for our good, and for the good of those around us. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Okay, so let's read it together, and then we'll talk about Bartimaeus for a little bit, and then we'll talk about Jesus for a little bit and wrap it up that way. So Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And remember, this is immediately following the interaction with James and John. It says, they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. I love this verse. I hope this exemplifies my, my joy with Jesus more and more. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So let's look first at, at Bartimaeus. Um, what do we see in this encounter as compared to what we see in James and John? Again, both are making requests. Both, both come to Jesus asking for something from him. James and John hit a wall and go no further. They're actually rebuked. Um, Bartimaeus, though, the door flings open and he continues forward with his request. What's, what's different? Why the, the difference here? And now, let me, let me start by saying again, God's ways are God's ways, right? So, so we can follow in the way of Bartimaeus, and, and still, God may not give us what we ask for. We may ask for the healing, and God may not give it, but, but that's because God's ways are God's ways, but God's ways are always good, right? I, I always go back to Jesus, who asked for the cup of the cross to, hey, God, is there another way than the cross? And the answer was no. Jesus puts out a request and gets the no in response, but praise be to Jesus. He says, nevertheless, your will be done and not mine, and he presses forward because God's will is better than his own desire in that moment. So it's okay to ask. He knows our hearts anyways, right? It's okay to ask, but, but we can't demand or expect, like, okay, I've asked, therefore God's going to do exactly what I want, but he will do what is best, he will always do what is, what is good. So what do we see in, in Bartimaeus, right? What do we see here? Um, first is that he approaches Jesus from a position of humility, whereas James and John approach Jesus from a position of, of pride. In James chapter four, I mean, I think this sums up James and John really well. Is that the same James? There's two James. I don't actually know. Anybody fact check me on that? Is, the author of James here, the same James that got rebuked? Great question, I don't know. Chapter four, verse three. You ask 
and do not receive, James and John, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Right, so, so it's recorded, hey, you ask and you don't receive because your motivations is selfish. We talked about that last week. Their motivation was self-exaltation. Their motivation was, was pride. Their motivation was to be lifted up. Uh, we see if you turn over a couple more pages to 1 Peter chapter five, Peter says in verse five, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, so now Peter is speaking to everybody. Clothe yourselves, put on all of you humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Scripture is, is very clear. Again, we don't get to have this per perfect equation that then guarantees our answers, but God is very clear that he is in opposition to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If we're approaching God in pride, we are going to find ourselves actively opposed by the God of the world. If we're approaching God in pride, we're going to find an active opposition from God himself. But if we approach in humility, then he also promises that he gives us grace. He gives us what is good. He gives us what is best. And so James and John approach from this position of kind of an entitlement. I'm deserving of this blessing. I've left everything, I've served, I've worked hard, and they kind of walk up to Jesus, right, with chest, chest you know, puffed out, their chin held high, and like, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask you to do for us. It's a wildly different approach than, son of David, have mercy on me. Both are asking for something. One is expecting, in a sense of entitlement, for things to go how they desire. The other is asking for Jesus to have compassion and to show him kindness. But it's a request rather than a demand. It's asking with an open hand rather than coming with closed fists and saying, bless what I have. So we see James and John approach from a sense of, of pride, of entitlement, whereas Bartimaeus comes from a sense of humility. Have mercy on me. You don't ask for mercy unless you know that you are needy. You don't ask for mercy unless you, you know that you are needy. I, that, that pride of entitlement, it's sneaky. It's sneaky. You know, I think for, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, it can be really easy to start to expect that things will go a certain way. We start to feel entitled, like I've, I've done my part, therefore it should, it should look this way. God should bless me with, with this, right? Like I've, I've obeyed, I've been to church, I've honored him, therefore I should receive a blessing. Or, where I think the pride comes up for us many times is I followed God, why is it so dadgum hard? Like, should it, shouldn't it be easier? I, I've had this, I, I've wrestled with this pride a lot. Moved to Austin, I've told this story, man. For first 10 years of our marriage and family was a cakewalk. I mean, just breeze. And then we're like, hey, let's go plant a church. And everything blows up. 
And I'm like, God, we said yes. We left a place that was comfortable for us, for our family. We said yes, we moved to Austin, and it has been hell. And there's this pride in me that's like, what the hell, God? We said yes to following you, and everything blows up. Yo, that is, that is pride. That is this sense of entitlement, like, God, we said yes, yeah, it's gonna be tough, but, but not with this, or not with that, or not with this thing over here. That is pride when I come to the table and tell God how things should go, what challenges are acceptable, and what challenges you're not allowed to bring into our life. And that's where James and John are coming to the Savior. Hey, this is how it should go. Give us this, don't allow that. And, and Bartimaeus, in their hand, is just saying, have mercy. One of the great things about suffering and hardship is it humbles us to the place where we recognize, I need your help. Please, by the grace of God, may we not be so prideful to still dig our heels in and think that we can handle it. Think that we can just dig our way out of the hole, right? No, no, we need the help of Jesus. And Bartimaeus, he comes and he says, have mercy on me. Show me compassion. Show me kindness. I can't do this on my own. Both are asking for requests. One comes from the place of humility, and God gives grace to the humble. The other comes from a place of pride, and God opposes the proud. May we clothe ourselves with all humility before the God of the world and hold on loosely to his grace. His promise is that he will give you grace. He will give you the grace that we need. The second thing that we see from Bartimaeus is that he has faith. Jesus says in, in verse 52, and he says this multiple times in Mark, go your way, your faith has made you well. Go your way, your faith has made you well. Faith is a requirement to receive God's blessings. Faith is a requirement to receive salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Because faith comes to God with empty hands. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Only him empty hands can be filled. Only empty hands of faith can be filled. Jesus, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm wholly dependent on you. I need you to, to save me. I need you to heal me. And it's this faith where Bartimaeus says, Jesus, I can't fix my eyesight. I can't heal myself. I need you to heal me. It's this faith that, that positions Bartimaeus in the place to actually receive God's blessings. What if Bartimaeus never called out? What if he never had the faith to believe that Jesus could do something? My guess is he spends the rest of his life blind. What if the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years and has spent all of her money on doctors who had no answer didn't have the faith to reach out and believe that if she just touched Jesus' robe that she would be healed? And what, is, what does Jesus say when she touches his robe? Who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, everybody is touching you. You're in a crowd of people. Literally, everybody's touching you. And he says, no, 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 this was a different touch. Daughter, your faith has made you well. It was a touch of 
faith, of empty hands. Jesus, only you can heal this. Only you can do this. I can't do it. So often we're like, Jesus, I need you, but I'm going to work really hard on this side too. Jesus, I need you to heal me, but don't worry. I'm going to, you know, roll up my sleeves and pull up my bootstraps and get it done. The position of faith is one of surrender, and not just for physical healing, which I do believe that God still heals physically today. I do believe that God still does the miraculous today. I think that we see it less and less because we're a very self-sufficient, faithless culture. But I do believe that he still heals today. But this phrase, your faith has made you well, the phrase made you well is the Greek word sozo, which is the same Greek word for saved you. It's the same Greek word in Acts 4 where where Peter says there's salvation in no other beside Jesus, that there is no other name by which we are saved, sozo, made well. Same Greek word. Jesus' point here is Bartimaeus, your faith is going to bring physical healing, but even more so, this faith is going to open your spiritual eyes to see salvation in me alone. It's this faith that physically brings healing, but also spiritually brings salvation to Bartimaeus. It is by faith alone that we are saved. It is by trusting in Jesus alone. So what is faith? It's a tricky word. And I think faith is a tough word because you can use the word believed, right? John 3, 16. God so loved the world, we sang this song, first song, right? God so loved the world that what? He gave his one and only son that whoever what? believes in him, should have life. Whoever believes in him has faith in him. But I I think we hear that word believe, and I think there are many people in our world who believe in Jesus, but don't have faith in Jesus. And I just want that to sit for a second, because if you were like me, raised in a church your whole life, you grew up always believing in God. I can't remember a time where I did not believe in God, I did not believe in Jesus, but I didn't have faith in Jesus until I was 15. So there's a difference in, so I don't love the word believe because we we don't use it properly. So what is this faith that saves Bartimaeus, this faith that would save you and me from our sins, but also position us for physical healing? Faith is the humility to completely and fully let go of any self-control and instead trust fully in Jesus. Faith lets go of any self-control and trust fully in Jesus to do for us. It releases any of my own works, any of my own ability, anything that I bring to the table and trust fully that Jesus will do it for me. I've used the illustration of a chair many times. I thought about doing a trust fall today, but I was like, that'll take too much time, you know? So I can put this chair up here. I can look around and see that y'all are sitting in chairs, and best I can tell, you're not just like holding a squat pose. It's actually holding you, you know? I can, it's inspected. I can pull out my protractor. Is that what does angles? Thank you, college students, right? I can pull out my protractor, and, and, you know, I can inspect it, and I can believe this chair, it, it, it will hold me. I I believe it will hold me. At some point, though, I've got to trust that it will hold me, 
and I've got to release all control and trust that it's going to hold me. Does that difference make sense? So faith in Jesus believes that, okay, only he can save me, only he can forgive my sins and give me life. Um, it, it believes that, but it also then says, okay, God, I bring nothing to the table, absolutely nothing. I cannot save myself, I cannot fix myself. And so it is this faith in Jesus that Bartimaeus brings to the table that positions him to receive the grace of God. It's, it's a release and a letting go. Because if I think I'm entering the presence of God while holding on to my own good works and merit, then I am contending for the supremacy of God. I'm trying to take his place. But faith says, all right, I got nothing. And by your kindness, by your mercy, save me. Heal me. Restore me. And so that's what we see from Bartimaeus, is that he brings a humility and a faith to Jesus. And it is the posture of you and me in humility. I've tried on my own and I can't do it. I need your help, Jesus. That positions us to receive his saving power. I believe in physical ways, tangible ways, in relationships, in mental illness, in health, in, in just tangible needs, and also spiritually. Our sins to give us life with God. So that's what we see in Bartimaeus, but I, I, like I said, the, the focus is not Bartimaeus because without Jesus, Bartimaeus has no one to call out to. Without Jesus stepping out of heaven and coming to live among us, then, then there's no one for Bartimaeus to, to hear of the miracles of walking on water or raising the dead or healing the lame, right? Bartimaeus obviously knew of Jesus, so if Jesus doesn't come, then Bartimaeus has no hope. He's still left on his own to, to beg and to hope to, to make it. So the focus here is Jesus, which is where I want to turn our attention next. Bartimaeus is a beggar. He's blind. In this culture, he was, he was rejected, he was unwanted, he was unloved, he was unseen, he was unknown. Most people assumed he was blind because of his own sin and God had cursed him for that. So, so most people would think, well, you brought that on yourself, man. Like This is a result of your own wrongdoing and they had no compassion for him. They had no mercy for him and so he was left on his own to go beg or, or just die. That's where, he, that's where he was. That's the context of who Bartimaeus is. Unwanted, unseen, unknown, uncared for, unloved. Now, I love Mark's writing style. Mark is the shortest of the Gospels, right? He's very, like, to the point. Let's get to it. Let's not add in all this superfluous fluff. Like, let's just, let's just get to where we're going. Like, verse 45 is, is comical to me. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, like, what happened in between there? Like, literally, it's like, hey, he comes to Jericho and he leaves Jericho. What, did he not, like, do anything in Jericho? It's just comical to me that, it, that Mark's like, we don't need to talk about that. That's not the focus here. He came to Jericho, he's leaving Jericho. And he's got a crowd of people. But because Mark doesn't add the extra, the fluff, it stands out to me when it says that a beggar, someone who's unwanted, unloved, unseen, uncared for, shoots his shot and calls out to the celebrity king Jesus that has a crowd following around him, Bartimaeus cries out and it says, and he stopped. Mark doesn't add extra detail. 
So the fact that that's in there is important. That Mark sees Jesus, the one that everybody wants to be around, the one that is literally a crowd, like a crowd has now gathered from Jericho. They're following him. There's, there, he's just, you know, mass celebrity. And this beggar that no one notices, no one cares for, he's crying out. And they're like, shut up, leave him alone. He's got things to do, right? Don't bother Jesus. You've got nothing to bring to the table. All you do is take from people. Right, you, you've got nothing to contribute to his, his clout, his status, his purpose, and this nobody is calling out, and Jesus stops. Man, I, I used to, I, I loved, I haven't been to a game in a long time, I used to go to like Spurs games or you know, baseball games or stuff, and I'd call out to the players like, hey, you know, try to get their attention, try to get an autograph, and the majority of the time, right, they're just tunnel vision, locked in. On occasion, they'll maybe sign something, right? But, but most of the time, they, they, just, they just press on. We were at Molly, used to do fashion, and, and she had this fashion show where it was really cool. Like, she designed her outfit, and she would then model it on a runway. And Matthew McConaughey's daughter was in the same fashion school, and so we're at this fashion show, and there's Matthew, but it's just like, I mean, he's locked in, dude. Like, people try to get a picture, and he's like, no, no, I'm family time, right? Like, which is great, but it's just, it's just that thing where, you know how, like, you don't expect for them to stop and, like, give you attention. They're a celebrity, we're a no-name. Right, like that's just, that's just how it is. Like you, uh, you don't expect for the, the top of the org chart to know the name of the entry-level like intern. There's this gap that today we understand. You, you just don't. So you've got a blind beggar that has been just written off by everybody Nobody cares about him. He calls out to Jesus, Jesus, who's got a crowd of people who's done miracles like no one has seen. There's this social gap that is a mile wide. He calls out and Jesus stops and, and, and hears him and sees him. Because Jesus, who has every right to ignore us, who is galaxies above us and beyond us, always responds to those who call on his name. Always responds to those who in humility and faith call on his name. Jesus sees you. In February of 2022, 2,000 years after he walked on this planet, Jesus sees you. It's just it's just kind of built into us that we don't expect to be seen by the upper elites. But Jesus, the, the one who's the above everything, he sees you and me. One of my struggles in faith is that I, I just struggle to believe that God's involved in the minutia. Like I just, I know that God is able to do anything I just don't know that he will. And I think it's part of this because there's this, so, there's this gap, like, God, that's you. You're, you're there and then, but here and now, like, I'm, I'm a nobody from Victoria, Texas. You know? Like, I'll die one day and nobody will remember me. Hopefully, maybe my kids for a little bit. You know, but like, I'm, 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 no, I'm a nobody. Do I really think the God of the world is involved in in the minutia of my life, like the details. I've been encouraged lately of Matthew 10, where Jesus says two sparrows are sold for a penny, 
Like two sparrows are sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Like they've got no value, no contribution. They're sold for a penny and yet there's not a single bird that doesn't fall to the ground without God's knowing and allowing. And then Jesus goes on and he says, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Like there's not a single hair that doesn't fall from our head that God doesn't know about or allow. And then Jesus says this statement, fear not therefore you are of more value than not just two sparrows, but many sparrows. If God keeps track of every bird and its flight, and God knows every one of our hairs that, that when you're 21 and you start to lose your hair or you're brushing your hair and it's getting stuck in the comb, the fact that God knows the number of hairs on my daughter's comb God, please connect that faith to me that you are intimately involved in the minutia of, of my life, of my, my daughter's life, of your life. The God of the world sees you and he stops. He listens. You're not overlooked, you're not forgotten, you're not unwanted. You're not unloved. It's crazy. But then Jesus goes a step further. What does he do? He invites him over. Bring Bartimaeus to me. You know the number of times I've tried to connect to a pastor, and it's like, hey, talk to my secretary. You're a pastor, dadgummit. Like, I should be able to get through to you. You know, but it's like, no, no, here, talk to myself. Basically, I'm being filtered. It, it, am I worth the time? Like, that's what it is. And that's what we, we happen in a lot, right? Like, am I, am I worth the time? I gotta go through somebody else to get to the person, maybe. But not Jesus. He doesn't filter Bartimaeus through his assistant. No, he invites him to come, to be a part of his fellowship and community because there's always an open seat at the table with Jesus. There's always space for fellowship and community with Jesus. Let's go back to that celebrity illustration. You go and say hi to, to Beyonce, right, Queen B, and she's like, hey, I see you, what's up, right? Okay, awesome, right, like boom, incredible. But then she's like, hey, let's hang out. Okay, now we're on another plane, right? Now, now, like literally, we might be on a plane, right? We might, you know, like that's just a whole different world. You know how, you know how incredible you're gonna feel? Beyonce invited me with her? Like, let's put ourselves there because we, we need to feel that because the fact that Jesus stops and acknowledges us but then invites us into fellowship with him should floor us. It, it should astound. We should respond with exuberant joy. He jumps up, he takes off his cloak. He's like, yes! That's how we should respond to Jesus. Because he has a seat at the table in eternity for us. I just I remember reading these stories, right, where the Pharisees are like, Jesus, why are you hanging out with the drunk sinners? 
like scoff at him because he's hanging out with the sinners. There's a dinner party where Jesus is eating with the Pharisees and it says that this woman of the city, right, this woman of ill repute, everybody knows who she is, comes up and starts washing Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. Right, like she's just sobbing and washing his feet and the Pharisees are like, gosh, if Jesus only knew who this woman was, like he'd be like, get away, woman. But Jesus knew who she was and he invites her in to his fellowship and friendship. When we get to heaven, you know who we're going to see at the table of God's fellowship? We're going to see the, the disciples, and we're going to see Joseph of Arimathea, the, the Pharisee that trusted Christ, but we're going to see the prostitute and the blind beggar and the lame and the rich and the poor and the sick and the healthy and the Jew and the Gentile and the male and the female and the black and the white. We're going to see everybody because there's a seat at the table for anyone and everyone who humbly trusts in Jesus. Praise God, because that includes you and me, y'all. If that wasn't the case, it would just be Jews who have a chance to have a seat at the table, but Jesus comes and flings the door open that Bartimaeus can come in. We have to realize that if it's not for the grace of Jesus, we are on the outside looking in, always. But praise be to Jesus that he sees us while we're blind beggars, while we have nothing to contribute, while we can't increase his fame one bit. He, he sees us and he calls us and he gives us a seat at his table. That is unbelievable. As nice as we like to think we are, my guess, my guess is we're not driving down 35 inviting blind beggars into our car and to come meet with us. It's just my guess. I could be wrong. Not Jesus. It's unbelievable. You and I are the blind beggar, and he invites us in. Our love for him will increase as much as we realize how we are the blind beggar and his grace and his mercies for us. The final thing we see with Jesus, and then, then we'll, we'll wrap it up here, is not just that he's gracious and merciful and he invites Bartimaeus in, but Jesus is able to save. He's able to heal him. He's able to give a blind man sight. He's able to heal your marriages, your anxiety, your sickness, your, your deafness, He's able to heal those things. He's able. He's able. But more than that, he is able to take our full record of sin, not just our actions that were like, I know that sin, but even my selfish thoughts that are mixed into everything, he's able to take that and to nail it onto Jesus and to bury it in the tomb and in his resurrection, he is able to offer me and you a clean slate before God Almighty. He's able to save. I don't, it doesn't matter how broken we are, how many times we fall, he is able to lift us up and to give us life. My, my prayer, my hope for myself, and, and I hope for y'all, is that this 2,000-year gap where Jesus lived here in, 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 you know, in, at this time, that it will just shrink and shrink and shrink, and we will know that Jesus is alive today, and by his Spirit, he's able to change our lives. 
We're able to walk with him like Bartimaeus did and to follow on the way. Because Jesus, he stops and he sees you and he invites you to have a seat at the table and he's able to change your life. Will we humble ourselves and in faith surrender all to him? That's our question. We see him and call out to him. He answers every time to those who call out in humble faith. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.